Well, good morning to you, uh, as uh, all of you that have come today. Uh, I don't know if you are aware, but you probably are if you uh, have a television set or read the newspaper or whatever, that we're in a kind of an upswing in COVID cases, and it has hit uh, many within our church body right now, so we have a lot of people missing uh, this morning, and uh, I, I hate that, and also we have some that are away on vacation, uh, getting their last vacation in before uh, school starts, but today is a very special day, uh, because uh, we have an opportunity uh, to... Uh, to seek the Lord's will, affirm the Lord's will in regard uh, to Alex Moore being our worship leader. And uh, I don't know if he's nervous. I, I, uh, are you nervous any? A little bit. He, he's as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. I heard an old Texan say that one time. That sounds like a Texas story, doesn't it? Uh, but uh, it is a special day, and I, what we don't want to do, even though you're tempted to look at him in regards to that, uh, he's been leading all through the month of uh, July, has done it before that as well. Uh, Josh uh, is not mad uh, that we're doing this and left. He, we've put him in a box over here. So those of you that are online, uh, Josh, who's been leading, thank you. <laughs> Uh, Josh, who has been leading us, is uh, filling in as our drummer this morning. But uh, I wanted to begin with a word of prayer because we are seeking the Lord's will. And uh, to know the Lord's will, we must be men and women of prayer. So let's bow together in prayer. Father, I thank you that you have uh, uh, promised to lead your church and to guide us that... Uh, if we lack wisdom, we're to ask of God who gives to all men liberally and you do not withhold it. And so we're just simply asking for your will today. Uh, Lord, we don't, know that to, we don't know what's going to happen 10 minutes from now, let alone 10 days or 10 weeks or 10 years. And yet you are our eternal God uh, who is providentially watching over us. And so we pray that today... Uh, your will would be, gone, be done in regard to Faith Family Fellowship and, and uh, Lord, our leadership, and in particular, Alex Moore. And we just pray that you would bless him now so that he truly leads us uh, to worship you and knowing that uh, our hearts have to be willing to be led. We do pray for our church family and, uh, and many who have, uh, are, are not well today. And uh, uh, in particular, I want to pray for Casey, uh, who has asked for our prayer, but also expressed her thanksgiving for a church body who is encouraging and helping as she struggles right now with COVID. Uh, we pray that you would bring healing to her body and restoration to her life. Again, we give you thanks for your great grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's stand together as we begin with worship this morning. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? done for me. 
to order who makes me orphan a son and daughter the king of glory the king of glory who rules the nations with truth and justice shines like the sun in all of his brilliance the king of glory the king above all kings oh this is amazing grace this is unfailing love that you would take my Pastor Matthew is not under the weather today, along with uh, his uh, daughter, and so I'm playing uh, his role as well. But I do want to read uh, some scripture uh, for you this morning from Isaiah 55, where it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found, and call upon him while he is near. So let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord. When we return to the Lord, they may have compassion. He will have compassion on him. And then return to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For his thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways his ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so today we want to turn our eyes and attention to a God who is above all the stuff that's going on in our world right now and who's in charge and he is mighty to save and whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved and uh, we'll be talking about that a little bit in the message this morning. Uh, if you are a guest this morning there is a uh, connection card there in front of you if you'd fill it out. Uh, and then when you leave, if you just place it in the offering baskets, we have one here and one over there. And uh, we would appreciate you doing that. Uh, want to get back in touch with you, see if we can be of any help and encouragement to you. Uh, but uh, I want to remind you, uh, we will have service tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, we had a great time of ordination of setting aside some new deacons last Sunday evening. Tonight we're going to be looking at prayer. If God is sovereign, and He is, <laughs> uh, why pray? In other words, if God's in charge of everything, why should we even pray? And uh, we'll be kind of talking about that uh, this afternoon. So I hope you'll come back uh, for that. And uh, do be in prayer for our selection of a uh, preschool director for our weekday praise, uh, uh, preschool director 
Uh, we'll be making that decision this week. And uh, if you're a church member and you would like to apply for that uh, today, you need to let me know, okay? And uh, uh, we'll be making that decision quickly. So we'll continue in worship. So let's stand together and uh, let's sing to the Lord. Savior say, thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness watch and pray, find in me thine all in all, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, sin had left a and stain, he washed it white as snow.
such his treasure and how great the pain of searing loss the father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory Behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there Until it was accomplished His dying breath has brought me life And I know that it is so gracious to us, to love us even when we don't love you. So Lord, I pray um, that today we'll be able to, to glorify you, Lord, to love you well, show your love well to those around us. God, I pray for Pastor Joel as he comes to bring the message that you will give us ears to hear and Lord, hearts to understand. God, that we will leave this building better equipped to serve you um, and to love you. God, better equipped to be your church. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, amen. I, uh, I struggled. We, since we finished up with Second Peter last week, I struggled with starting something. Uh, by the way, Mr. and Mrs. All, it's good to see you all back there in the corner. Y'all see Mr. and Mrs. All back over there? Okay. They got married a week ago yesterday. And I told them if they can make it a week, they can make it a lifetime. There you go. All right. <laughs> uh, so sweet. Sweet. Good to see you guys back. Uh, so anyway, I struggle with, uh, do I begin something? And I know today's a special day. And I could not get away from... Uh, I just, 
I tried to get away from thinking about Timothy and Paul and I couldn't do it for some reason. Uh, just because uh, uh, we are voting today about Alex as a church body and uh, though I, I, I'm sure he in no way and I don't want him to consider me a Paul to him uh, but uh, in, in many ways I've watched him grow in the Lord uh, over these years and I think you and I need to hear some of what uh, transpired between uh, Paul and Timothy about the gospel of Jesus Christ and it has to do with a lot of things it has to do with uh, men's ministry and women's ministry we talk about making disciples of people we talk about uh, mentoring others uh, we talk about accountability uh, these are some things that uh, transpired between the Apostle Paul and Timothy and uh, I want to just say this uh, about mentorship or discipling or, or helping someone to grow in Christ. It is hard work. Okay? Uh, it doesn't happen easily. And uh, I, I think today's culture has given us an idea that uh, discipleship is something that uh, can take place in a moment. You know, we just gather together here and there. And uh, those people that I have uh, personally been involved in their lives in discipling them, it is costly to me as the uh, mentor, as it were. It's costly to them as the one learning because uh, uh, praying together earnestly, uh, memorizing scripture together, uh, sharing the gospel together, and going making uh, ministry visits together... Uh, that's how you disciple someone. Uh, it, it doesn't happen just in a, uh, well, let's sit down and ask a few questions of each other. It, it really is an investment of the life of Christ in somebody else. And so uh, today we'll be talking about this priceless uh, deposit that Paul is referring to here in 2 Timothy. And I'm going to read a pretty significant uh, portion of Scripture from chapter, well, it's almost all of chapter 1. And so, uh, if you have your Bible or uh, you can look at the screen, I want to read from God's Word. And uh, I do believe this is the most significant thing I can do when we gather as a people, is read the Word of God together. So Paul says, And I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you, Timothy, constantly in my prayers, night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you, to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifest through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. So follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Now you are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me. 
among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. And may the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me. It was not ashamed of my chains, but when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and he found me. And may the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. And that is the word of the Lord. And let's bow together in prayer. And Father, this is your word. This is not man's word about you. This is is not a, a fairy tale. It's not a myth. It is Holy Scripture. God breathed. You have given it to us that we might know who you are and know your will and your ways. And uh, that we might know this uh, great deposit, this treasure that you have entrusted unto us in this day. That we might share it and pass it on and invest it in the lives of, of other people for the glory of Jesus Christ. And Lord, may we in this day not be ashamed of the gospel and that we might have great confidence to know it has the power to change and transform lives through the new birth that comes by the Holy Spirit and through uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and that we can be forgiven of all of our sins and have an an eternal assurance that uh, heaven is is our destination. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now you and I have to remember that Paul the Apostle is in jail. He's in prison in Rome. Uh, He's writing his last letter. Uh, He is uh, probably months away from dying and he knows that. And so it's his last word saying uh, to young Timothy, uh, I know you're afraid. Uh, everybody is so afraid that they've departed from me. I, I'm only uh, only Onesimus, uh, Onesiphorus rather, has come and uh, encouraged me. Everybody else has left me alone, and I want to encourage you. And so, in verse 14, he gives a reminder to Timothy and says, "I want you, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within you." To guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you. And then later he's going to tell uh, Timothy to take that which has been entrusted into him and to place it into the lives of faithful men. Faithful men who will also do the same as well. Now I don't know if you have treasure or not. Uh, You... uh, you know, one man's uh, junk is another man's treasure. And uh, it was a few years ago that my father-in-law uh, was cleaning out some of his stuff, you know, kind of uh, decluttering his life. And he had a, a little bag of uh, coins and uh, he just kind of passed it on to us. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm one of these guys that is interested in coins and so I got them out and I started looking at them and I started looking at them and I noticed one of them was quite different than all the rest of the coins and it was a it was a five dollar gold piece wow and uh, it was uh, minted in 1887 and uh, so I immediately got on the internet and I looked up to see what its value was And when I saw what the value was, I was overwhelmed. It said $65,000. Somebody said, wow, thank you. That's exactly what I thought. I went, wow. If it was minted in Philadelphia. (laughs) And so, you know, you look on the back of the coin and there there was an S there. Which meant it was minted in San Francisco. And uh, if it was mended in San Francisco, by the way, I'm, I, yeah, if you're on the internet and you're from San Francisco, I'm sorry. But apparently things that are made in San Francisco are worth not near as much as things in Philadelphia, okay? And so I was quite overwhelmed by the value of it being just a few hundred dollars, which is great. But I'm sure that my father-in-law really had no idea what he was passing on 
when he did pass it on. But it sure would have been nice had it been minted in Philadelphia, apparently. Um, when we were uh, serving uh, First Baptist Church of Stuttgart, Arkansas, we had a church member that was there uh, who was a man of, uh, of means. He was uh, well off. This was back in uh, uh, the, the previous century, okay, back in the 1970s when we were there. And uh, uh, he was sharing with me um, uh, one of the ways that the Lord had blessed him. And uh, he said, yeah, there was a, uh, a man who had started some uh, small stores. Uh, they were kind of like our uh, Dollar General stores uh, that we have all over the place now. And, uh, and uh, the gentleman that was running those, that owned those, had contacted him and five other uh, men and asked them if they would make a, uh, a sizable donation to his business because he wanted to buy trucks. Uh, to haul the merchandise around for his business. And uh, it was a, an investment of $20,000 per person. And, uh, you know, that was a whole lot more money then than it is now. And uh, knowing him to be a friend, knowing him to be a man that was uh, pretty wise in making business decisions, he decided that uh, he would make that investment. So he was one of six men who made that investment in that business. Now, when I tell you that the man's name was Sam, uh, you might go, uh, Sam who? And if I say Walton, then you would go, oh, uh, that was a pretty wise investment, wasn't it? And so the, the investment that he gave was a great return, far more than the investment of my father-in-law turning over a bag of coins to me and having a coin in it that's worth a few hundred dollars. Uh, this investment of $20,000 has returned uh, uh, multi-million dollars worth of money to that individual. I say that because what Paul is sharing here is, I've invested in you, Timothy, as others that I've invested in, and the return has been great. However, I've invested in other lives, and the return has been miserable. It's been abysmal. Uh, many have departed from the faith even. He's going to name two men later in the book who had departed from uh, the faith or had so fallen that uh, Paul said, I turned them over to Satan uh, that he might uh, uh, discipline them, that their lives might be saved. So what I want to do is, as we talk about this priceless deposit, I want to see, first of all, the good deposit. Secondly, we'll look at the, a guarded deposit. And then thirdly, a given deposit. So Paul, Paul refers to it, first of all, in verse 14, as the good deposit. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you. So the question is, what was this good deposit? Well, we could say, simply say the good deposit is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the good news. It's, it's what is written in the scripture, the holy word of God. But in particular, it is the gospel message. It is the gospel as Paul was given the gospel by the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He calls it his, his gospel. But when he refers to it as his gospel, he's talking about the one that was revealed to him by Jesus Christ. Um, we have a, uh, a magazine, I guess you could say, it's online. Uh, they used to print it, I don't know if they still print it, because, but it's called the Christian Post. And uh, I regularly go to the Christian Post to hear what's going on in the Christian church around uh, the country and and sometimes they'll tell things about uh, what's going on in, around the world. But as I do, I am disappointed quite often when I go to that. Because when I go to that place, I find that there is a false teacher who has been exposed. It's somebody who uh, uh, maybe is extremely popular. 
uh, written lots of books. Their books may be on the New York Times bestsellers list. You, you go into a Christian bookstore and it'll be in the top ten. It, it'll be there and then you find out that they're preaching, teaching something that is contrary to the gospel. Paul says it in Galatians chapter 1. He says to the church at Galatia, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him. We're talking about Christ. That you're deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Now he goes on to say in the next verse, it's really not a gospel. If it's different than the gospel that uh, tells us that you are saved by grace alone in Christ alone through faith alone it's not the true gospel of Jesus Christ if somebody tells you that after you die you're gonna have a second chance to somehow uh, make a decision about Jesus Christ that's a lie that is not the gospel it may sound like good news to you but it's uh, it's not the truth and the truth is uh, grace is offered through Christ here by the Holy Spirit of God and by the Word. So he says, it's not an, another gospel. There are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what's happening in our day. Uh, that, that old story, you know, just tell me the old, old story of Jesus and His love is really not the, what the world is wanting to hear today. But it is exactly what the world must hear today. And who are they going to hear it from? Well, Paul was telling Timothy, if you don't pass it on, it won't be passed on. It's been said by many, in many generations before us, that we're just one generation away from being non-Christian. Uh, and we're seeing that. We're seeing less and less people confess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in our day more and more numbers uh, people are departing from our churches and uh, there's a reason for that is they wanting like Paul talked about again when he talked to Timothy and said they're they're seeking teachers that will tickle their ears they'll say something that makes them feel better about themselves and uh, that's not good news Good news is on the backdrop of what? Bad news. <laughs> it is bad news. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says there's salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You see it's popular today to say there are many ways to God. Uh, if you're sincere... If you, if you really believe, it doesn't matter who it is that you believe in, what it is that you believe in, just so long as you are sincere. And that is a lie. And you and I need to be able to take the, uh, the, the litmus test, as it were, the, the, the little piece of paper we put into a substance to find out whether it's acidic or if it's alkaline. Uh, we need a test to be able to say is this really the truth of God's word and that's the deposit that Paul is talking about he's talking about that which is centered in the Lord Jesus Christ himself so this deposit is the gospel the gospel is contained in the word of God and God's word is clear and when God speaks, he doesn't stutter. But the gospel, in essence, is Christ himself. Christ is the gospel. And I say that because, you know, sitting in a church building or being around religious people or reading your Bible does not make you a Christian. There must be an encounter with Jesus Christ, like the Apostle Paul had. Something happened in Paul's life. Similar to what happened in Thomas's life. You remember doubting Thomas, right? Thomas said uh, after the resurrection of Jesus, when some of the disciples said, we saw him. 
We were, we, we were with him. We know he's alive. And remember, Thomas says, well, I won't believe unless I see him with my own eyes. I put my have fingers in the, hand, uh, the holes in his hands and thrust my hand in his side. Well, John's gospel records this encounter. In John 20, it says in verse 27, then when, when Jesus and Thomas come together, he said to Thomas, put your finger here. And see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve but believe. And Thomas answered. Look at his response. My Lord and my God. He recognized Jesus for who he really was. And Jesus said to him. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me yet believe. That's you, that, that's, that's me, that's we who have come to know Christ as Savior and Lord. But there's that encounter that we must have with Jesus Christ, where we come to know Him. You see, before Paul comes to faith in Christ, he hates, the, he hates Christ, doesn't he? he? He's serving God, he says. I'm serving the one true God, but who does he hate? He hates Christ. What about the church? He was, he was out to destroy the church. And uh, what about Christians? He was putting to death individual Christians until Paul has an encounter with Jesus Christ. He comes to see the true gospel. And, and you and I must have that real encounter with Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean Timothy wasn't afraid. Obviously, Timothy was afraid because uh, Paul has heard about it and he's writing back to him and saying what? Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. God's not giving you a spirit of fear. He's giving you one of power and love and self-control. And, and how could Paul say this? Because Paul had met the Lord Jesus Christ face to face. But who had not? Timothy had not met Christ in his physical relationship. Uh, Timothy had not met him that way. But Timothy had met Jesus in salvation. And you see, you and I, if we've met Jesus Christ in genuine conversion, we've been regenerated, born again of the Spirit of God, we can say, I know whom I have believed. I know whom I believed. And I'm persuaded. Not I'm able, but he's able to keep that which has been committed to him against that day. Uh, I think Paul saw several things in this encounter. Number one, I think he saw the reality of his own character. When Paul encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, uh, he was serving God, he said. And then remember what Jesus said to him? Saul, that was his, that was his uh, regular name. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? There, there was no reality in the uh, understanding of Paul that he was doing anything wrong. Paul gives a, uh, a testimony of all of his goodness in the book of Philippians. He says about himself, you know, if anybody could get their way to heaven on works, I could. He said, regarding the law, I'm blameless. As a Pharisee, I, I, I'm a Pharisee among the Pharisees. He tells about his life and he says, I'm really good. But what I really found out that day is I am totally, absolutely depraved. I am dead in my trespasses and sins. I am broken and undone and hopeless apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. He had a reality of his own character, and that is he was self-righteous. He thought he was as good as God was. And, and the reality is he, he thought that he could earn his way to heaven. And you remember it is Paul who comes to say about himself, I am the chief of sinners 
You see, to come to genuine faith in Jesus Christ, you and I have to come to realize that the heart is deceitful above all things and it is desperately wicked. Leave me to my own way. All we like sheep go astray. We turn everyone to his own way. If you had a million lifetimes to live over again, if you could just keep coming back over, I'm going to do better. You know, like the old movie Groundhog Day, <laughs> try to improve, make it better. It's going to go. You didn't watch that movie, I'm sure. That's, you shouldn't watch movies. I just know that. Anyway, uh, make it better. Guess what you would do? You would still sin. Because you and I are born in our sin. And we have a sin nature within us. And it leaves us totally dead in our trespasses and sin. And sinners do what sinners do. You know what sinners do? We sin. We don't have to teach it. We don't have to train people in it. It just happens. And we are sinners without hope. So it was for the Apostle Paul. There was the reality of his character. But the second thing was the revelation of Christ. You and I have to see Christ in all of His glory, that He died on the cross, became the sin bearer of all of our sin on the cross of Calvary. There's something so dramatic about what Jesus did for us that it goes beyond human comprehension. You say, well, I, I, you know, most of the world believes that's a myth. And you know what? That's... The reason why most of the world believes that's a myth is because of the fact that they're totally lost in their sin. They're totally lost in their sin. And the only way to transform somebody from being totally lost in their sin to being a saint of God is through an encounter with Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Why are you persecuting me? And Paul had to come to realize, oh, I, I did not know that you had risen from the dead. I didn't know you were alive. And Paul came to realize that for himself. And you and I, if we can look back on our own conversion, we could truthfully say that's, that's what happened. Our, the eyes of our understanding were opened. Our blindness was taken away. Our deaf ears were made to hear. Our lame feet were made to walk. We were raised from the dead like Lazarus was raised from the dead. All of a sudden, I, I, couldn't, I had no idea what the Bible said until the Holy Spirit illumines the heart. That doesn't mean I understood everything that's in it, and I still don't understand everything that's in it. That's a growth in Christ. But there was an understanding that God is speaking to me through His Holy Word. There's a revelation of Christ. Thirdly, it resulted in a radical change. You see, the true gospel results in a radical change. Uh, Paul put it this way when he was writing to the Corinthians. Many of you will know this verse. In 2 Corinthians five seventeen. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. You see, there's a radical difference when you have encountered the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul moved from hating Christ to doing what? Loving Christ. Proclaiming Christ. Telling everybody he sees about the Lord Jesus Christ. He turns from hating the church to loving the church. To giving his life for the church of the living Lord Jesus Christ. He bears in his body, he said, the marks of Jesus Christ. He was stoned. He was beaten. Uh, he was mistreated. He was whipped for the cause of seeing churches planted all over Asia and all over the world for the glory of Jesus Christ. And didn't he love Christians? Man, how much he loved. When you, when you look at the ending of uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, he just writes one word, one verse after another verse after another verse about the different believers that he loved so dearly in his heart. Only meeting Jesus Christ can do that. So that is the uh, uh, good deposit. But secondly, and won't spend much time here, it is a guarded deposit. 
He says to Timothy, guard the deposit that's been entrusted to you. How do we guard it? Well, I think, number one, we believe it. We just believe it. Does the gospel work? Sure it works. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. It's transformative. It changes life. Is it, is it worth guarding the gospel? Absolutely. Uh, we, if we're just bringing people into a religious institution, we're damning their soul to hell for all eternity. But to introduce them to the living Lord Jesus Christ, that is so transformative. So we've got to believe it. Uh, we also have to behave it. And, and that is we need to follow it. That's what Paul said uh, uh, to Timothy here in verse 13. Uh, follow this gospel. Follow this good news. Do what it says even when you are afraid. Even when you're confused. Even when you're living in a day when everybody you talk to just about seems to say, well, I don't believe that. I, you know, we're living in a scientific world today. And I just can't reconcile the Bible and science. And guess what? Where the Bible speaks about science, it's always true. But it's not a book of science. Okay? I, I, I did not learn how to calculate the circumference of a circle from reading my Bible. I got that in geometry. You know, I remember my first test in geometry when I was in school and in the teacher the first question on the test was what did the acorn say when it grew up it said gee I'm a tree boy y'all are not even with me at all this morning are you okay you know it's not it's not a book of geometry but if it addresses geometry it's accurate the word of God is accurate about everything that it says it is true and so we must believe it, we must live according to it, and teach it, and share it even when we're afraid, confused, and even misunderstood. Uh, Paul told Timothy in chapter 2 and verse 3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And then uh, we do this, uh, we must broadcast it. Not only believe it, behave it, but broadcast it. In other words, share it, deposit it, put it into the lives of others. Uh, we do it generally by the gospel. Matthew tells us, uh, Jesus tells us in the book of Matthew, go, go to the ends of the earth. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. So there's a general sense in which we broadcast it. But there is a very specific way in which we give it out. Uh, in the first letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, in chapter 4, verse 10, uh, he said, to this end we toil. Paul was toiling and striving. To what end? Because of the hope. Uh, that is set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. So he told him, uh, I command you teach all of these things. He told Timothy uh, to give this deposit, which leads us to the last point. It is a given deposit. Second Timothy 2 uh, verse 1 and following, he says, You then, my child, be strengthened by grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men. Give this deposit into others who will be able to teach others also. I, I said it a moment ago, not everybody you invest in is going to give you a good return. That, that, that's true. I, I'm not a stock market person. But uh, those who delve in the stock market tell me you can lose a lot of money in a hurry in the stock market uh, if your investment is not a wise investment. And it may be that you look at all the numbers and think it is a wise investment, and it's not a wise investment. 
But uh, when you teach a Sunday school lesson, uh, when you show up and do what God called you to do, you're investing in somebody's life. And hopefully you're teaching them the Word of God. Hopefully you're passing on this, this great treasure, which is the gospel of Christ. Now, some of you, many of you wrote me either emails or sent me cards or whatever last week. I don't, I'm not sure exactly how you found out. I know I've said it before that uh, my spiritual birthday was on July the 29th, but it was 1971. So that made me 50 years old in the Lord last Thursday. And so I, I uh, wrote the two men... And they were just uh, 20 years of age, two 20-year-olds on a Thursday. One of them had faithfully prepared a Bible study for a Thursday night Bible study. And the other one had faithfully invited me to come to a Bible study as a teenager to hear the gospel. And I had said, no, 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 week after week after week after week after week. And on this particular Thursday... God just prompted my heart to say, yeah, I'll go. These two young men had absolutely no idea the impact that that faithfulness of the entrustment of the gospel that had been given to them would bear on me. And not on me, but on the lives of other people through what God has done over the years through my life. And uh, there, uh, there's a young pastor that's up in, uh, outside of Toronto, Canada right now. Who, there are 27 people in ministry that came out of one church that I pastored in a little town in Arkansas. And he's one of those guys that's up there. We've had missionaries that have gone out from under uh, ministry. And, and, and who knows the impact. And these two men had no idea that when they said yes to the Lord that morning when they got up, Lord, I'll do what you tell me to do, the impact it would make. Remember Jesus taught us the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's the smallest uh, uh, of the... Uh, uh, spices in the garden and yet it grows the biggest tree in the garden he says the kingdom of God is like that you and I forget that in our day we're thinking is it is it worth being made fun of is it worth sharing the story with somebody is it worth giving out the gospel and the answer is absolutely yes God's word does not return into him empty it accomplishes his purpose as Paul was writing to Timothy here, we just read it a moment ago. He said, listen, this was a done deal before you were even born. If you look back on it, you weren't saved by your works. You were saved by the grace of God. And that had already been settled by the Lord Jesus Christ before eternity. And it's a gr you and I need to do what? Share this gospel. Invest this gospel in others. Uh, when Paul was writing to young Timothy back in the first, chapter, uh, first letter, and I'm going to say this in reference to Alex, you remember he said to Timothy, uh, don't let anybody despise your youth. Don't let anybody look down on you for your youngness. <laughs> Kids, we, we talked about David when David killed Goliath. Do you remember how old I told you? Uh, he probably was. He was somewhere between the age of this and that. Do you remember what it was? 14 and 16. When he takes on the champion of the enemy, the Philistines, and he says, How long are you, the people of God, going to let him defame the name of the Lord our God? My God will deliver me. My God will kill this Philistine. And he says, let no one look down on your youth. There are even some who, uh, scholars who believe that when he said youth there, he not only meant his youngness, but probably wasn't even married at the time when Paul is writing to him. He was so involved in the ministry of the work of God, he had not taken a wife at this particular point in time. So some that we invest in prove unfaithful, others prove faithful. So let me close with Onesiphorus. Onesiphorus often refreshed me. 
He was not ashamed of my chains. When he found me in Rome, I was in prison. What did he do? He had to search me out. He had to go beg for privilege to come and see me. He risked his own neck, as it were, so that he might be faithful to the charge that had been entrusted in him. And when he arrived, oh, how much it meant to me. May the Lord grant him mercy, because I found mercy through him. i got to tell you what a privilege it is to see God take one of our own and transform them and make them new creations in Christ Jesus and see their lives being used for His glory. Onesiphorus' name means one who brings benefit or profit. And that's what he did for Paul. So in Ecclesiastes, it says two are better than one. Yeah, I used it in your wedding, I know. It works here too. (laughs) two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil if they fall one will lift up his fellow but woe to him who is alone when he falls he has not another to lift him up again if two lie together they keep warm but how can one keep warm alone and though a man might prevail against one who is alone two will withstand him and a threefold cord is not quickly broken you see God didn't call pastors to pastor alone did you know that he called us to pastor together because we get discouraged we get disheartened we, 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 we are just like Timothy sometimes we're just afraid and, we, and we're living in a day where we're a little bit afraid of well when someone asks you certain questions and you answer it biblically they're going to be mad They're going to get angry. They're going to protest. They're going to threaten death in our day. And they're even killing people in our day. So what do we need? We need faithful men and women of God who will stand together for the sake of the gospel. I want to ask you, are you you sure you've met Jesus You know I've had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ and I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that He's able to keep what I've entrusted to Him against that day. Yeah. If you don't have that, then you need to look to the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to ask God, the Holy Spirit, to open your eyes. Help me to see. Help me to know. Danielle, I know you and your husband are getting ready to leave us. This is their last Sunday with us. And and she wrote me a little uh, note. And in it, I I don't know if it's because you're going from Portuguese to English or if you intended to say exactly what you said. But she said, I'm glad God brought me here that he might find me. That he might find me. You see, the seeker is the Lord, and He's seeking for you. He is calling your name. He's like in the, in the cemetery with Lazarus, come forth. And if you'll hear His call, He will make you to be His now and for eternity. If you are His, then He's entrusted this gospel into your care So that you too will not be ashamed and you'll go tell other people about the Lord Jesus. And you'll wait for this little mustard seed, which is the kingdom of God, to break forth into the lives of others. You know, every time I I see uh, missionary stories and I hear, well, you know, there were 10,000 people saved in uh, uh, Cambodia. You know, it's easy just to look at that and go... Great. And then pass on. What do you mean? What would happen if 10,000 people got saved on the eastern shore in a weekend? We're truly born again. We would, we would recognize, hey, it's not because we're smarter on the eastern shore. It's been a work of God. And every time God works, you and I should celebrate it. And rejoice in Christ for what He has done. So will you join me in prayer? And Father, we, uh, we've just been reminded of the simplicity of this great treasure. 
of the good news of Jesus Christ that has been given to us and we're to entrust it into faithful men and women, boys and girls, teenagers, individuals who, who Lord, are waiting to hear and don't even know it. They may not be looking for the Lord Jesus Christ. But, oh, Father, you've appointed a moment and a time to call them in such a way that they hear your voice and they know you and they follow you and you give to them eternal life and they shall never perish. Lord, I pray for the blessing on, on Bobby and on Ray this very morning for their faithfulness more than 50 years ago just to say, I'm going to do what God tells me to do this day. And through their faithfulness with the deposit that was entrusted to them, Lord, it, it came to bear on my life through the Holy Spirit of God. You tell us to guard this treasure by the Holy Spirit. It's not something that we can do on our own, but it takes the Holy Spirit of God to enable us to guard it. So help us, Lord, to know that you've not given us a spirit of fear. The Holy Spirit within us gives us confidence and boldness. When the early church was afraid, they prayed and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the Word of God boldly and many were saved. And help that to be true for us this day. And Lord, I ask you to call to yourself, your people, in the name of Jesus I pray, amen.